Welcome to Finding Faith, the space we come to share stories of encounter, ask questions, and share in the lived experience of others. As you listen to the stories of our interview guests, I ask that you consider the courage it takes to stand before your peers and share your experience of faith for the benefit of another. My name is Jesse Bennett, and this is the 16th episode of Finding Faith. Tonight we have with us Sammy Jo Mills. Sammy Jo, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, like I said, my name is Sammy Jo Mills. I am 28 years old, and I'm married to Dave Mills for going on five years in March. We have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Jolene, a one-and-a-half-year-old son, Cash, and one on the way due in January. I am the daughter of Dana and Daryl, a.k.a. Squirrel Roby, and I was born, raised, and still currently live in Whitesville, Kentucky. I attended St. Mary of the Woods grade school, Trinity High School, and continued on to Orangeboro Community and Technical College and then to the U of L Nursing School, where I graduated with my Bachelor of Science in Nursing in 2015. I started working full-time as a nurse right after college, and then once our first child was born, I switched to working as needed, meaning I pretty much get the privilege of being a stay-at-home mom, but also getting to get out of the house once a week to uh, work as an RN. And Sammy Joe is going to tell us a little bit about her story and how she has come to encounter Jesus. All right. So I was asked to speak about the journey of my faith. And honestly, I must say that I almost declined the opportunity out of obviously being nervous to put my voice and story on social media, but more so because of the feeling of just being unworthy and not really holy enough to do something like this. Yeah, I know that I try to follow the Lord's teachings and the old saying, WWJD, But I'm fully aware that I sin with the best of them and that I have a long way to go. But the more I thought about it, the more I decided that maybe sharing my story can encourage others like me who possibly don't feel, quotations, holy enough to spread God's word and to venture out to do something different than they have been with their faith journey. So after putting a little more thought and prayer into it, here I am. I was born and raised a Catholic, attending a small Catholic school from kindergarten to senior year. I received all my sacraments at St. Mary of the Woods, including being married there in 2016, and then having my children baptized there as well. This stems from my mom's side of the family, who are lifelong and very involved parishioners of St. Mary's, and then also my dad, who had switched from his parish to St. Mary's once he and my mom were married. My parents did a great and very much appreciated job raising my brother Travis, sister Amber, and myself in the Catholic faith trying to teach us right from wrong. And I'm sure, although it was a struggle financially at times, they were both great at being determined to make sure that we both, or that we all received the same Catholic education that they both had. As an adult and parent now, I can look back and see the sacrifices they both made to send us three to St. Mary's and Trinity. And it is one of the things that encourages me to do the same thing for my children in the future. My parents made sure we were in the church pew every weekend and that we prayed every day normally with my mom on our way to school or wherever we were going. We all said I love you on the daily, and probably the best and most important thing that we learned from mom and dad was just to be kind. No, we didn't learn the Bible from front to back or even say the rosary on the regular, but we were taught the golden rule by action rather than word, which in my opinion is the best way to teach a child how to live out the Catholic faith. As a child, I felt like I was a pretty average student in the Catholic classroom. I never felt extremely knowledgeable with Bible stories, and still to this day would like to broaden my knowledge in that area. But as I 
but I felt as a kid that I had a pretty good foundation of the Catholic faith and knew that God should be my number one priority. As an elementary age kid, I'm sure my mind was more on softball and playing more than it was on God. And then as a middle school age kid, I'd say it turned more to friends and just trying not to stick out from the crowd. Luckily, I've had the same small group of friends since birth, and during our middle school years, we tended to stay out of trouble, usually camping with our families, having sleepovers, or just doing whatever silly things we could come up with. It was at the middle school age of about 11 or 12, though, that I did discover a longing for a more personal relationship with God. I knew that I needed that in order to find true happiness and satisfaction in life. However, as strange and kind of awful as it may sound, I can remember trying to hide this longing, even from my own mom. My brother had received a prayer book as a gift, and I can remember sneaking it from his room to go read it alone at nighttime, as well as a Bible that a teacher had given me. I laugh now because I know that my parents would have encouraged that, but I just found that found it as something to hide at the time. I found that I enjoyed quiet, personal time with God, even more so than the roundtable talk of God that we received at school. I continued to pray daily, go to Sunday Mass, and occasionally go to confession into my high school years. But it was then that my focus switched more to drinking, partying, and obsessing over boys than anything else. I ran with a pretty rowdy crowd and found myself drinking and staying up every weekend and some weeknights too. I never found myself necessarily feeling addicted, but did whatever I needed to hang with the crowd, feel comfortable, and have fun. Fun that typically left me with lack of sleep, a headache, and a somewhat depressing feeling the next day. I honestly do recall thinking at the time that maybe I'd be happier trying something new with my free time, like getting involved in youth group or things of that sort, but I never had close friends involved and chose not to step out of my comfort zone. The heavy partying continued on after graduation and into my years at OCTC. Luckily, I was determined to become an RN, and at the age of 20, I started the UofL nursing program. Between the hours and hours of studying I had to do for the next two years, as well as the hopelessness I felt after losing a cousin to a tragic death just a month after starting the program, I knew I had to slow the partying way down and needed to tune up my relationship with God a little, even if at that time that consisted of me praying more for passing grades and confidence during my clinical hours. It had been around that time that my mom had started spending a weekly hour in adoration at St. Mary's. Although maybe I should have known after going to a Catholic school, I honestly did not know what adoration was or what it was all about. I started going with Mom weekly and and immediately fell in love. The quiet, the dim lights, and the personal connection I felt staring at and talking to Jesus in the Eucharist was amazing. I continue to go to adoration with my mom, although not every time she goes anymore, just to not let my kiddos disturb her peace each time. But I try to slip out of the house at times when Dave is home to go have my one-on-one time with Christ, and I can truly say that it is my happy place. I love nothing more than sitting quietly in front of the Eucharist, even if only for a few minutes at a time. It brings me peace no matter what kind of mood I walk into it in. I find comfort in talking to Jesus about things going on in my life and in asking for strength and His presence in certain areas. I think adoration was my stepping stone to a better relationship with God. I found myself praying, saying the rosary, and going to confession more frequently at that point. I also started trying to go to a weekday Mass once a week, when possible as well. It amazed me, and still does, in how much being in a Mass with a handful of people versus a church full can change your perspective on the Mass. It became easier to stay focused on the Eucharist and the message the Lord was trying to convey. I love the intimacy of weekday Mass, and still do to this day. With these new habits, I found that I just wanted to be a better person, meaning a better daughter, sister, friend, and just child of God in general. After graduating college, Dave soon proposed, and we were married the following March. 
A couple months later, we found out we were expecting, and we were both extremely anxious and excited for the arrival of our firstborn child. We decided before we got married that praying together as a married couple each day was a priority and, of course, attending Sunday Mass together. We started off on the right foot with that, especially once we found out about the baby and had so much thanks to give God. I worked night shift as an RN most of that first year, so before I'd go to work or in bed on my days off, we'd say a set of prayers that Dave learned as a kid, as well as a prayer that a friend had given us that asked God's blessing on our baby and on us as parents. Our prayer time together was short and sweet, but it was uplifting to have a spouse that I felt comfortable praying with. Once our daughter was born, and after hearing several homilies from Father Baker encouraging families to pray the rosary together daily, we made the New Year's resolution in 2017 to try to do just that. We stuck with it and still do most days, although it's a little tougher now with the two-kid routine. There are days when the kids are cranky and loud and we can't even hear what we're saying, and also times when the two of us have been bickering and honestly do not even want to pray together. However, I've read that couples should continue to pray together, even through gritted teeth, so I think we both try to keep that in mind at those times. I know, if nothing else, that our children are learning that praying and asking for Mary's intercession is very special and important. And I know that praying together has brought us comfort and peace as a family, especially during difficult times. So continuing family prayer time, going to confession fairly regularly, as well as adoration at times, and being an active member of our church pretty much brings me to the present day. I try to start each day out with reading the daily Mass and homilies, as well as with personal prayer and talk with Jesus. I'm normally interrupted with a child wanting a drink, a toy, diaper change, or something of the sort, about every two minutes, literally. But I've found that if I don't start and complete a morning prayer session with God, then my day usually goes downhill from there. I also have been trying to get back into the routine of a weekly weekday Mass that I had before I had kids and when I only had Jolene. I had slowed down on it due to the struggle of paying attention once Cash was born and I had two kids to keep quiet. But with the encouragement from a great friend, I'm excited to be picking that up again. Although I don't always get to pay attention more than 10 minutes of the whole Mass nowadays, I know that God understands my struggle and is glad to see us there. I feel a sense of encouragement that He gives me during each Mass to keep Him as the center of our lives and to work on being a more Christ-like person. I do find myself longing for longer periods of quiet time or the ability to just up and go to Mass alone, be involved in groups or volunteer without having to find a sitter while Dave works, but I understand that during these years, God intends for my priority to be raising children in His light. As Father Baker once said, and I'll never forget, my goal is to raise and teach my children to do what God asks in the way that He asks, for as long as He asks, simply because He asks it. If God allows it, then my time will come when I'm not changing diapers or playing blocks, and I'll have all the free time I need to be more involved like I'd love to be. But until then, I know I am where I'm supposed to be, and I can feel His presence in the small moments with my spouse, children, family, and friends. And I know that I'm very blessed in the journey God has led me on to get here and the journey He has left for me. So as I said before, do I find myself worthy or sinless enough to be using my story to help increase someone else's faith? Definitely not. There are days when I critique, judge, and become way too impatient with others. In no way am I perfect, and I know that I have a long road ahead of me to be where I want and need to be on my journey to heaven. But through Christ and knowing that He sees past my flaws like no one else can, I find myself being forgiven and feel very much loved. I am excited to see what God has in store for me on my faith journey. Thank you so much, Sammy Joe, for sharing your story with us. I just want to say that, you know, it's easy to feel like your story is boring. 
In fact, most people that I've talked to have mentioned or or very hesitantly agreed to do this because they don't feel like they're good enough, they're holy enough, they're worthy enough, their story's exciting enough. But honestly, I think that this is the majority of Catholics, that we have just simple stories of faithfully walking with Jesus, sinning with the best of them, I liked that line, and just trying to figure out, you know, what what life is all about. And so thank you so much for joining us here and for sharing your story. And I know that it's going to bless somebody else's life. If it's okay, I just have a couple of questions for you. Okay. I'm probably going to talk a little bit about kids with you because, you know, there's a lot of moms out there in the pews and I see them struggling. I see them worrying, wondering, am I doing enough? Am I doing this right? There's a lot of questions about how to raise our kids Catholic. So what I want to know is, what do you and Dave do to instill faith in your children? Okay, so they are only three and one year old. Me and Dave, are we're still new at the parenting thing. We're still trying to figure out the best way to go about sharing our faith and teaching them the Catholic faith. I would say the number one thing is just talking to them about Jesus and making him just a normal conversation piece in our life. Uh, with Jolene, she's three. So simple things like when we're driving, I might point out that there's a pretty sunset or something and I'll be like, Jesus made that or, you know, or that he makes everything in our life and everyone in our life with the new baby, with me being pregnant. I try to explain that, you know, Jesus is giving us this gift because he he makes everything. He makes all the wonderful things in our life. So I just want to make it a normal thing for them. I want them to grow up being comfortable speaking about Jesus. Yeah, and hearing his name and what he does in everyday life. Yes. We also just prayer life. I think we've taught them, you know, we say the rosary, we pray in the morning. If I'm not trying to sneak away and do it on my own, I do try to say prayers with them. So she, the three-year-old, has already learned some of the ones that we learn as Catholics, you know, as kids, the Our Father, Hail Mary, and now lay me down to sleep and things like that. So I do think that's important for them to learn those those prayers. And then also prayers just from the heart. So I think it's important that they can speak to God about their own lives and what's going on. After the rosary, when we say it at night, I usually will kind of go into just a brief conversation from my heart out loud with Dave and the kids, just asking for intercessions for what's going on in our lives for people that have things going on or for things that are going on with us. And do y'all involve the kids in that part, or is it just you and Dave doing like the prayers from the heart? I usually am the one and let them hear, but there have been times where we'll, at nighttime when we say her prayers in bed, we'll ask her what she's thankful for and let her try to, you know, try to speak out instead of just the regular nighttime reciting. And, you know, that's something that we have started doing with our little ones. It's it's so weird trying to teach kids how to pray because, you know, there's no blueprint. They don't teach you this in parenting classes, right. <laughs> it's tricky. but it is. And so, you know, we realized we didn't know how to teach them to pray. So what we started doing was just exactly that was ask them to name one thing that they're thankful for and mm-hmm. one person that they'd like to pray for. Originally, it was pray for something uh, say you're thankful for something, but yeah. the list of what they're thankful for or what they are wanting to pray for just goes on and on and on and <laughs> becomes the elephant in the pillow. And oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we started saying one in one. Yeah. I think we started that last Thanksgiving with her just every night, you know, around Thanksgiving. And then we do it some nights. Not every night do we do it, but we try to teach her that. Um, I would say another thing that we do is, well, of course, go to Mass 
with them and make that a weekly routine. But adoration, I said that I go with during my mom's hour a lot with them just so that I don't disrupt a stranger's time. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> and just my mom's. <laughs> but no. Grandma can't get mad at the kids, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when we're there, I usually try to, we pray, we pray the rosary with mom and then we'll walk around or try to teach them things around the church. So mm-hmm. make them comfortable going there. Uh, very cool. So what are some of the things that you do to occupy the little ones during adoration? We don't always go for the full hour <laughs> anymore. Now <laughs> Probably <Cash> smart. <laughs> super, mo- oh, you know, he's been mobile for a while, but. So sometimes it it literally we take more time to get or I take more time to get them dressed and get them buckled in lo- longer than what we actually stay at adoration sometimes. <laughs> I mean, there's been times that we walk in, stay 10 minutes and my mom just laughs because I'm like, especially if another person comes in, we don't want to interrupt their prayer time and their quiet time. But to occupy them there, we usually start with the fact that there's some books in the back in the adoration room. Yes, so, my kids love pulling those books out. Yes, which is good for a few minutes, but then they just want to keep going back and forth. But anyway, so I don't, I don't mind that they're up during adoration. It's not, of course, during mass, we try to keep them still. But during adoration, I let them kind of walk around and go back and forth to get books. I usually bring a sucker or something. If we stop at the bank before, just, to, <laughs> just so I can have like a few minutes of quiet in my own mind. And then after they're done in the pew we'll walk around and point out statues go up practice genuflecting um, i try to show them that jesus is not just on the cross you know he is actually in the bread i don't know that they really get that concept at all but i try to show them that but they're sponges and there's the way that they soak that in is hearing it before they're ready for it i mean think about language infants don't understand language but we still talk to them yes. and that's how they pick up language so yeah. And Jolene's heard it so many times and I still I don't actually go up and like touch the Eucharist. So I still don't know if she knows exactly what I'm pointing at, but I've done it a million times. And then we'll go around sometimes and do the stations. She likes to hear that story. So mm-hmm. just different things. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Trying to find ways to keep them moving and interactive or interacting with the environment around them. Yeah. And I want them to be comfortable going to church and know that they don't just have to go for the one hour that we go to mass a week you know they can go at any time it's available Hmm. at all times yeah that's really smart i like that do you often get to go to adoration by yourselves i feel like you at some point mentioned that you do sometimes get you know your husband's able to watch the kids and you're able to slip away and come up here by yourself yeah well occasionally i don't not as much as i used to or as i would like to but yeah when he's home during the spring, especially during all the quarantine and everything, I was going at nighttime after they went to bed. Now that I'm pregnant, I'm like sleepy and I go to bed when they do. <laughs> but sometimes on the weekends or on Sunday afternoons, I can slip out and do my own adoration. You mentioned that in your story, part of it was talking about being drawn to the Eucharist and going to these adorations with your mom really helped you to to get involved in your faith what is it that draws you to the Eucharist in adoration? I think just the main thing is just the quiet, the quietness. Being alone, it's just a breath of fresh air to be in there with nothing going on. Because at all times we hear the TV or the radio or kids or daily life is loud. So just going in there and it's so quiet. 
So I just get to get some things off my mind and talk to Jesus one on one. And you mentioned that, like the intimacy of it. Yeah, that's what I I love. Okay. It. I love when the lights are dim and being there one on one with Jesus and breathe. <laughs> I, I love going over to the empty church, even if it's just for five minutes, mm-hmm. because there is such a different quality of being able to just sit in that quiet and that solitude. You're right. Life is so loud everywhere. There's always yeah. something, things pulling at us. And adoration gives us a chance to slow down and yes, just I mean, breathe. And I, I try to do that. I mean, or I do that at home, you know, on the daily, but it's not the same. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Even sitting like by myself in my room, if I can ever get five minutes of quiet, yes. you know, sometimes I get the husband to deal with the kids and I go lock myself in my room right. and sit on my bed and pray. But it's not the same. No, it's not the same. not the same. You talk about uh, praying daily with your husband. And I love this. I love that. Um, praying through, even if you're praying through gritted teeth, that's such a Anybody out there who's married completely understands that sentiment, I feel like. (laughs) So what benefits or fruits do you see in your marriage that are coming from you guys praying together daily? I think just the fact that we know that we're going to have a set time at nighttime that we're going to pray together and we're going to turn off the TV and we can't really turn off the kids. So they're usually loud still, but just knowing that at nighttime we're going to have that time, that 15, 20 minutes of prayer time together, I think that's beneficial in, for our marriage. I just think it's a good routine. We know that it benefits our kids as well, even if they may not even be saying the rosary with us, but they're hearing us ask for Mary's intercession, and I think that's important. So I can't really speak for Dave, but I feel like it and also is just nice having having a spouse that— I know was making time to pray with me and, and the kids too. So just feels good to do that as a family unit, I think. Having the ability to share your faith with your spouse is such a beautiful thing. And being able to pray with them on the daily, that it, like you said, that's such a good witness for your kids to see that in their parents and to know that their parents are making time, not just for prayer, but also for each other. Yeah. And there's the beautiful witness that that is for kids to see the importance of faith in a marriage and making time for your spouse in a marriage. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we, I think it's good that even if they do see us, we try not to bicker in front of them, but if, even if they do, they see that we come together to, to pray at night and we're not perfect by any means, but we do try to do that. Who is God to you, and what does your relationship with Him look like? I think first I look as God as just, you know, my creator. He created me. He gave me life in general. He gave me everything that I have and love, everyone in my life. So I feel like He's, you know, He is my creator. He is the creator. So I owe Him everything. I owe Him my life. I owe Him great dedication and great sacrifice. I don't always do that, but I, that's what I feel like as far as seeing him as my creator. I just know, owe him everything. Uh, I also see him, like we say in the sign of the cross, I see him as my father. I feel like I constantly am wanting his approval. Everything I do, I'm thinking, it's God. I mean, I don't always choose that route, but but I feel like I I want his approval like you would your earthly father. You want to make him proud, kind of is how I see that. But probably the most, Im- 
the biggest thing for me is I see him as the person that I can confide in, like as a friend. I feel like I can talk to God about anything. I don't have to worry about judgment. I don't have to worry about him thinking I'm silly about thoughts or whatever. He's just easy to talk to. So he's there. He's my comforter, I guess. I mean, I guess it's just easy because he's always there. You don't have to call a friend or wait for the spouse to get home or whatever. He's literally there in a, in a second. So. <laughs> so I'll just see him as my friend. Well, thank you so much, Sammy Joe, for sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. If you are interested in hearing more stories of finding faith and encountering, tune in next week to hear from our next guest. If you have any questions, need someone to journey with, or would be interested in sharing your story, please contact me at findingfaith123 at gmail.com. 